Hey everyone, this is Dorinda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. If you don't know me already, I'm married to Daryl. We've been married for 28 years. We have eight kids, ages 13 to 27. Actually, our oldest is just having her birthday today. Um, and we've had, we have four grandkids and we've also been homeschooling for um, over 22 years. So I'm just, I'm thrilled to be here today. In just a minute, I'm going to introduce our guest. Um, but right now, I just want to remind you that you can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram, Dorenda Wilson, and also on my blog, DorendaWilson.com. If you haven't checked out my two books, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional written just for moms, and The Unhurried Homeschooler, which is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. Those are both on Amazon, and I encourage you to go check those out if you haven't already. I would also uh, was wondering if you all would email me with topic ideas or questions for future podcasts. I'm considering doing a Q&A podcast every four to six weeks, and I want to make sure that I'm talking about the things that are on your heart. So if you could email me, it's Dorenda at DorendaWilson.com. I'd love to hear from you. Well, it's really, um, you know, the, the scriptures talk about Titus, the Titus 2 women. This is the older women um, speaking into the lives of the younger women. And, and today, in that spirit, I have someone uh, joining me who I respect greatly. Um, Cheryl Bastian is, um, she said she can't remember a time when she wasn't teaching. Mm. <laughs> what started with making her brothers uh, play school <laughs> evolved to job shadowing and tutoring in high school, evolved into majoring in early childhood education, and eventually 24 years of homeschooling, eight children, ages 28 to almost three. Cheryl and her husband, Mike, journey alongside families at many stages of parenting and learning from toddling to turning tassels. As a magazine columnist, blogger, and speaker, Cheryl enthusiastically encourages parents to be intentional, real, and relational as they aspire mm -hmm. to raise lifelong learners. Welcome, Cheryl. I'm thrilled you're here. Well, thank you for having me, Drinda. I just this is a pure joy because mm -hmm. I I just love encouraging uh, moms, parents, but especially moms, because I feel like that's what I do day to day, right? Right, right. I appreciate the opportunity to do that whenever I can, whether that's on a podcast or whether that's at the park pushing a, a child on a swing. <laughs> and I know you do a lot of that. Um, I've gotten mm -hmm. to know you a, a little better over the last few months and just you and your husband's constant um, encouragement into younger families. is just, mm -hmm. it's so needed and it's so mm -hmm. uh, valued and so. I'm just thrilled that you took some time to be here to share your wealth of knowledge and wisdom. And I was thinking about when we met, um, mm. this was a little over a year ago, we met in the restroom at a conference. <laughs> I loved what you said at one point. You said, God is even sovereign over our trips to the bathroom. <laughs> yes, he is. Well, he's sovereign over our days, every single Absolutely. part of it. So lest we forget, because I often do forget that. <laughs> right. Yeah, me too. But um, anyway, so it kind of started there, and we've just been connecting off and on since then. And um, I've just, the more I talk with you, the more I just love your heart. So I'm excited to hear what you have to, uh, to say today as we talk about um, homeschooling middle and high schoolers. Um, yesterday, we were having a discussion about today's podcast and you shared with me something that you'd read. Can you kind of tell me what 
what you were reading in a nutshell, just mm. the idea. Yeah. It's, well, it's kind of become a pet peeve for me because I think as a younger mom, when my husband asked me to homeschool, our child was only five, but I had this season in front of me. Actually, I have I would say it was more looming in front of me, like those, those teenage years. Mm-hmm. Oh, I definitely am. There's no way I'm home in school, homeschooling through those. But what happened is, as I had my kids home, I realized the freedom and the potential of the growth, not just physical and cognitive growth, but the spiritual relational growth that comes out of that. And I started to question when parents would say, oh, those teenage years, they're going to be rebellious. They're going to be on the couch. You're not going to be able to motivate them. They're going to be nasty to you. I went, that is a really sad thing to be envisioning. And I thought there's got to be more to this. Lord, what is that? Because I don't truly believe that, that in all that God's put into us, I just couldn't see that that would be the right, like that he would intend for, for kids to be rebellious and mm-hmm. nasty and that it, it was meant to be this like push and pull season. Right. Um, and so Mike and I have kind of, you know, as we've gone along and he's a 30 year a veteran middle school teacher, so he gets middle schoolers. Wow. And he has had to teach me a whole lot. And of course, you, you learn by by doing and making mm-hmm. mistakes and trying again and going back to say, I'm sorry, I this is my first go or my second go with middle right. school. Let's face it, and you know this with eight kids, they're all so different. So though you may have gone through it two or three times, the next one's going to be different. Absolutely. I can, I totally uh, can, I'm tracking with you right now because I remember when our, our kids were small and we had, you know, this whole hassle of, you know, eight kids, 12 and a half years old and under. And, and um, my friend and I would joke that these people that would um, just be these naysayers, we, we called them the just you waits, you know, just you <laughs> wait until they get into, you know, their, tell their teenagers or whatever. And I had the same feeling that you did. And I, it just, it was this, it was kind of a pet peeve for me too. Mm-hmm. Why are you saying these things about my children? And sometimes they were standing right there yes. and I thought, no, you know, I don't want this to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, Absolutely. you know, so, um, so yeah, I, I spent a lot of time praying over for that because I felt like, Lord, if this is all there is, and I, and I think there, it isn't all there is, um, prepare my heart for whatever, whatever, obviously there's challenges in the teen years. And I think ultimately that's what people are trying to convey, exactly. but they just do it very, very poorly. <laughs> and, you know, just praying and laying that before the Lord and saying, God, I don't, I don't want this for our family, for our kids. You know, I'm not saying I, I'm not willing to go through difficult things, but mm-hmm. what, you know, how can we prepare and, um, you know, maybe just make this better? And it, so much of it, um, I think was waylaid for us by homeschooling because we, we work, we were working on relationship with our kids from day one. Yes. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Relationship is, is got to be, um, it's vital to everything we do, whether mm-hmm. that be homeschooling, you know, or whether that be parenting. It's right. really, we're created for relationships. Let's just face it. That's what mm-hmm. God made us for is relationship. We'd have a relationship with him and with the other people, not only the people that we live with, but the people in our community, the people in our church, like we're made for relationship. Um, and in that, obviously, we're in, those folks are, are not always perfect. And right. I'm not perfect either. Like I'm the first one to admit when, when I, you know, go back and forth, maybe with a middle or a high schooler. Um, oftentimes I've stepped back and said, Oh, that was my fault. Mm-hmm. Like they probably would not have raised their voice if I came in 
and maybe swallowed my pride a little bit, or I didn't come at whatever discussion it was with a, with a contingency of fear, or right, I wasn't right. what other parents would say. Um, you know, just focusing on, Lord, who's this person you have in front of me, which is what I do with my friends, right? So right. I realized how much I look at my children, or I did, and not so much anymore. I just, I always tell people, my children are just like me. I'm, I'm discovering that the more, I've been a parent now for 28 years, and I'm discovering, actually 29 years, um, but it's, you You discover, wow, these are people. They're not, they might be a little younger than me, but they're like me in the sense they have the same struggles. They're going to wake up in the morning and not feel motivated. They're going to wake up in the morning and feel maybe yucky about themselves. How can I walk alongside that? Just like I would walk alongside a friend like you or exactly. you know, Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's relationship is everything. Relationship matters. That's what we tell everybody. Relationship matters. That's right. And I love what you said about remembering that they're, they're just like your friends in, in the respect that we need to treat them in such a way we would never come up to a friend and power up you know we would we would want to go there and just um talk you know if we had a problem just hopefully we would speak gently and and walk Mm -hmm. carefully and be respectful and 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 it's no different with our kids and and we can't expect them to respect us if we don't respect them yes yes we found that to be really super true Mm -hmm. um early parenting years when we were more you know kind of like that that authority was, was a big deal. Like we didn't quite under, you know, right. The parents, right, right? right. <laughs> but now we've come to realize that there's power in mutual love and respect. You know, God calls us to love other, to love him and to love others. Um, and I think that goes across the board. Um, now does that mean that sometimes, you know, we have the ultimate say yes, Absolutely. but we've, we've come to realize like if you walk with them in the young years, and even, it's never too late, okay? That's the other thing is it's never too late Mm -hmm. to start gaining back that relationship that might be a little kinked or maybe severed um, because God is that that healer. He wants that. He wants us to have a relationship with our kids. So even in times when it feels really strained, you know, yeah, we are the adult. Um, if, If God brings that to our minds, it is our responsibility, I believe, to go to them and say, you know, I'm really sorry that I hurt you, Lord. What is, Lord, what is it? in me that caused this because there's no ever a, a winner and a loser you, you either win together or you lose right that's so um, true that's so true I appreciate that because you know um sometimes I uh I've done talks on um, nurturing sibling relationships and mm-hmm. a lot of the same things apply between the parent and the child like not letting the sun go down on our wrath let's make things mm-hmm. right um not go to bed angry but let's try to work mm-hmm. things out and um you know and sometimes you know there is that time when um the way that we're going to best love our children is to be the parent in that situation. So, you know, you're not saying abdicate everything to a friendship. Um, what I hear you saying is keep your parental authority, but, but be careful with it. Be wise with it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. And, and, you know, you and I were talking yesterday a little bit about um, some of the characteristics that are mm-hmm. unique to this age group that I think we forget because it's been mm-hmm. so long. And, and of course, the further <laughs> I get away from it, the, the, the more I forget how challenging this age can be to be this age, you know, this junior high through high school. And I was uh, we were talking about just physically, just, you know, they, sometimes they can be clumsy and they're mm-hmm. dealing with acne and hormone fluctuations. I didn't deal with a lot of acne, but I've had a few kids that have, and it's been really hard for them. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of had to, 
I had to make sure that I was taking that seriously because it was really affecting them. And we needed to, my husband and I needed to come together and say, okay, how, how can we help, you know, get what she needs to get this cleared up and, you know, and have those conversations and just remember how much that was, affects them. And then emotionally, just how we have so many doubts about, you know, Mm -hmm. at that age about who we are and and the lack of confidence. We're, We're still just really finding our land legs, you know, especially in middle school. Am I a kid? Am I an adult? You know, and there's several years of that, you know, where you go into, you know, where a, a child will come into a conversation um, with a group of people and kind of think, I remember thinking this, okay, am I, do I talk, do I respond like a child in this? Do I respond like a, you know, an adult, but what does that look like? And so all these things they're dealing with all the time and spiritually, you know, maybe um, they may or may not fully own their relationship with God yet. It can kind of still be on the line a little bit. And, and then mentally just, you know, I think this kind of ties in with the physical, but just, I noticed my kids were really forgetful, like around 13. I I was just like, whoa, what happened? You know, (laughs) about a year ago, this, this kid was the most helpful, you know, person. And now he can't remember to do stuff. And so just all of those things, I think, we need to remember play into their daily lives. Yes. Well, and I think here's another thing that we learned, um, and we didn't really learn this until we had a child that dealt with some processing difficulties. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of processing difficulties that will play into your middle and high school years. For example, if you've got a child who has an auditory hypersensitivity processing disorder, um, you that what that brings to the table is they're going to look like they're ignoring people in a conversation mm-hmm. when actually they're just trying to concentrate on the speaker but it looks like they're ignoring but they're truly com- they're there mm-hmm. they're just trying really hard to concentrate um, another one is like the prosodic processing um, challenges that tends to have people, and this would include, you know, our teens, they're going to misjudge speakers' moods or intentionality, and we can misjudge it. So they may not read the situation like, oh, in this situation, I need to kind of have this kind of tone of voice, or in this situation, I need to have that tone of voice, or that intonation, or that inflection. Um, They may not be able to get that. And so what you get is a snippiness or you know, what seems like maybe a little bit of rebellion when it's actually not. It's part of how they process or how they're processing um, or maybe how they're communicating because it right. could be a part of a communication disorder. So a lot of parents, oh, and the other one is is there's organizational deficits. There's actually kids who have a really hard time with the details and trying to manage their notes and study materials and, you know, the kid whose stuff's all over the place and it's under the bed and your portfolio evaluation is doing, like, where's your paperwork? I have no idea. And it may not be, you know, yes, it could be time management. Yes, it could be organization, but there really could be a, you know, a, a processing issue that contributes. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I wish I would have had you years ago to tell me these things. <laughs> You know how you just sort of like navigate through it, and oh, but yeah. I think for for you know even having not maybe known all those specific mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. just being tuned in to our child and having mm-hmm. enough of a relationship with them, like we talked before, 
where we can sit down and talk about it and they don't feel threatened by that. You know, they, there's a love and there's a mutual respect and we're coming in saying, Hey, can you tell me a little more about what's going on? You know, in this, these situations, what are you thinking and what are you feeling? And just giving them a chance. I I love that saying that says, um, uh, seek to understand before being understood. And so often I've been so guilty of this where I go in and I want to instruct right away. Well, if you just do this and you do this and you do this, and they would all be things that would be helpful to me, but maybe not necessarily to them, you know? And so to be able to go in and say, I want to understand a little bit more about what's going on. Like I've said to my kids, what um, you came off kind of sounding like this is, did you intend to sound like that? Or was there something else going on? And when I've actually taken the time to ask those questions, it amazes me how much they'll open up to me and tell me. And I had no idea, you know, either it's something completely different that I know, didn't know they were struggling with. And they probably wouldn't have told me if I wouldn't have sought to understand. Um, or, there really is something there, you know, that's not connecting and we need to talk about how we're going to deal with this, you know? So again, it goes back to relationship again. And it's so easy to, to just kind of, I know it is for me, uh, to just kind of come down kind of hard on them and, and Mm. that's not really loving them. Right. Oh yeah. I've been there too, (laughs) but I think what I'm drawn back to what what keeps coming back to me, God keeps saying, Cheryl, I'm walking alongside of them well. And trust me, you know, I mean, like you said, I've made mistakes. I've, I've had to go back and apologize, but in walking alongside of our children well through trials and they will face them, like you said, with all of those things, the clumsiness, the hormone fluctuations, trying to figure out who they are, Lord, there's going to be challenges and trials. And how can I walk alongside of them well so that I'm role modeling in that process? Not only am I loving them, but I'm providing a role model of how they will be able to walk with someone else through trials and challenges, which is a life skill. (laughs) It is. It is a life skill. And, you know, when when, um, when I'm talking with moms about nurturing sibling relationships, one of the things that I point out is that we are teaching them how to be the body of Christ to each other. And so just in what you mentioned and and just taking that approach, it's so much broader than than just about them or about making them successful, although that does contribute to that, we're also teaching them, this is what it looks like to truly love people with the love of Christ. You know, because that doesn't happen naturally. We have to work at that. And that's probably would explain why I had to work at it so hard as a mom, you know. You know, even though I love these children, um, right. I would get frustrated. And, and so just remembering um, to love them like Christ has loved me. Mm. Yeah. And I I think that's really one of the first things that Mike and I started realizing that our middle school and high schoolers needed, you know, when we we were able to step back from, you know, all the academics, all the boxes that, you know, loom, you're checking off boxes, you're trying to get into college, you're all of that stuff that society says, and then that brings fear and Mm -hmm. and, and maybe even condemnation upon us. You know, we step back and say, wait a minute, what really matters here? What, what are our middle and high schoolers trying to say to us? And one was the relationship matters. And that is all that we're, that we're talking about. That relationship is foundational to everything else that we're going to, to walk together right. through. That's right. And, and that makes perfect sense. I'm thinking about how um, Jesus describes his relationship mm-hmm. with us as a shepherd. And if you've ever had sheep, 
and we have had sheep and you cannot drive <laughs> sheep. You can only lead sheep mm-hmm. and they will follow the voice of the one that's familiar, the one that they trust. And I think mm-hmm. it's very similar with our children. I would say, you know, Jesus, you know, God shepherds us as we shepherd our children. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if we're walking in relationship with him and we're learning as we're going and then mm-hmm. we're And then our children are learning alongside of us. And so we're all kind of doing this together, you know? And if we can kind of have that perspective, it changes so much and it it helps us become less, it helps me become less abrasive and Mm -hmm. less, you know, um, rigid and a little more, you know, have a little more of a flowing sort of (laughs) attitude, you know? Right, right. I think that that's, you know, along with that, relationship mattering they want to know that our relationship with them matters and that we matter to them right because right, right. one of the worst things you know I you know whether you're a friend or maybe it's with your spouse one of the worst things that feelings that you can have is oh they don't I don't really matter to them right and I wonder how many teenagers wake up because we, either we've gotten distracted by check boxes or distracted by their behavior or distracted by whatever it is we've gotten distracted by we forget to say oh man, you matter to me. And here's what, here's why. Um, And when we started calling out of our kids, what we observed in them, the positive things, not just saying, because if you stick on negatives, that is what you will accentuate. That's right. Um, But what is is the one good thing? And and I've actually had to pray that, you know, in seasons of my mothering, uh, I said, Lord, I'm having a really hard time right now finding a positive thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sad about that, but and it makes my heart break, but I'm struggling. How? What do I do? And he said, find one good thing. And amazingly, that one good thing led to another good thing mm-hmm. and another good thing. And pretty soon I realized, I love this kid. Like, I love him. And yeah, we all love our kids. Our kids. Right. Like I enjoy being with this person who mm-hmm. thinks different than me, who who's maybe whose relationship with Jesus looks different, man, I've, my kids have taught me um, <laughs> great faith lessons. Um, and I love talking to them about that, but what is that goodness? Cause they're not going to see it. And if we don't call it out of them, they won't know. So one time my, um, my second son, our second son, he's 25, just had a birthday, 25. Um, and he has the gift of hospitality. He's got this huge smile. He loves people. Um, you know, it was hard because he was also a bouncer and mover and a shaker and tried all the limits. And he just, whoa, I learned a lot about myself in those years. <laughs> but he, that was, you know, one good thing. Okay, so I noticed we had this party going on at our house. And I noticed he would be the first one at the door, first one to open the door, greet the people, make sure they had a glass of water. And I went, wow, like that's a gift that nobody else in our family has. Mm. How awesome. And I need to tell him that. So I said, you know what I noticed about you today? You loved going to the door and smiling and making people feel welcome. And he's like, I did. (laughs) He didn't even see it. Isn't that funny? I think about that goodness that disappears that they don't see in themselves that we maybe don't see because we do focus on all of the things that the negatives that are happening or the 
the fear that we have that people say that our kids are going to fall into whatever that is. And we forget to actually, that there's a person in front of us. That's um, right. That's right. And we never want a parent out of fear, you know, and no, it, it, know. it happens too easily. And sometimes it's fear of what other people think. Sometimes it's, it's fear for them. Sometimes it's fear from our past, you know, where mm-hmm. maybe we've made mistakes and we're afraid our kids are going to make the same mistakes. So we are trying to hedge everything. And mm-hmm. instead of um, just really walking that out with the Lord and trusting that um, he's going to work these things out in them and that they're a different person. And, and um, you know, just to be able to have that faith that God is going to, mm-hmm. you know, he, he began a good work in them and he's going to be faithful to complete it, you know? Absolutely. And I love that. And, you know, um, earlier we were talking about how negative, um, mm-hmm. there's such a negative light uh, cast on young people. And I was thinking about that book, um, Do Hard Things, um, oh, by the Harris brothers. Mm-hmm. And the thing I loved about it was just, it took that, that whole thing and flipped it on its head. And mm-hmm. only they spoke mm-hmm. directly to the kids, you know, um, because, you know, some kids aren't going to have parents who are going to follow through on like some of the things that we're talking about. But I love, um, the part that I loved about it was the way that they took, they challenged them to take, um, to go out of their comfort zones. Mm-hmm. So, um, and to challenge themselves to choose to do what seemed like the hard thing and to use the teen years as a, not a time of self-indulgence, but as a launching pad and almost like to say, yeah, he, all this stuff you're hearing over there, you are capable of doing the total and complete opposite. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was so awesome. And it was an inspiration to me as a parent to be helping my kids do that, to coach them to, to do that, to take on challenges and to, mm-hmm. and to just prove that wrong, you know, that, that whole negative um, mentality and, um, and just, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. I think um, we were talking about this, how very capable this age really is. Oh yeah. And they can move mountains. Yeah. <laughs> and what an age of opportunity it is, you know? So I know you talk to parents a lot about that and kind of what that looks like. Can you share some of the kind of your main things that you share with, with parents sure. about this age? Yeah. One is the relationship. That's always um, key. And then being able to get on their page, call the goodness out of them, um, mm. affirm them because they're looking, they're like us. They're going to look for affirmation. They're going to look for confirmation about who God's made them to be just as much as, you know, I mean, I like it when a friend says, Hey, Cheryl, that was, thank you for teaching my kids. I'm, you know, today at co-op or we, we, we love that affirmation or at least to be appreciated. And so I realized how much, you know, if I'm always like, did you clean your room? Did you get your algebra done? How about the garage? It hasn't gotten clean yet. What positivities what positive conversation are we actually having today? And it, it really does because it opens them up to be able to come to you. At least this is what we found. Um, when things do get hard or maybe it's just they're struggling with the acne on their face or they felt like they, you know, they hit the mailbox another time with the car as they were backing out. <laughs> and maybe this time they don't want to tell you because they're just afraid of your reaction, which, yeah, it's never fun to put the mailbox back up. And if you've done it 10 times... <laughs> gets a little irritating. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to walk alongside and say, oh man, mom, I'm so sorry, but I hit the mailbox again. Um, I, you know, I'm willing to take care of whatever cost it is, but I'm really, really sorry. Mm-hmm. And realizing, you know, I've had that grace extended to me by my parents, by friends. 
I'm going to mess up. And when I do, I appreciate that grace to be able to, now granted, yes, there's consequences, but a lot of times what I've discovered is our kids have lived with us the first 12 years. They know a whole lot about where we stand on things that are right and wrong and what we consider to be truth and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're looking for ways that, that they're going to actually be able to walk out that faith. Mm-hmm. And so often we don't give them those opportunities to do so because we're fearful or, you know, all the multitude of other things that we could come, the emotions we could be feeling. Maybe, maybe we want to be in control. Um, I'm realizing, you know, there is a time when you are not in control. You know, when my first guy moved out, I think that's when I realized it. I was like, wow, you can't wait too long. Um, if you wait to 18 or 19 and you're controlling every aspect of their days and where are you and what's mm-hmm. going on and mm-hmm. you're never giving them the ability to hear from the Holy Spirit because you're their Holy Spirit. Right. Um, they are not going to be able to know what that sounds like. And when they do move out, I, I tell my friends all the time, I couldn't go to his apartment and find out what time he came home from work or if he got a speeding ticket. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's one thing that popped in my mind when we were decided to talk about this ownership is this, how important it is for our kids to, um, to own their lives and their choices. And that starts, I mean, I, I started doing this with our kids from an early age, just a little bit at a time. The whole idea was that eventually by the time they get to the age that you're describing right now, that they own it. Like they know whatever they do, they're accountable for it. And um, that, that can only happen, you know, if we're um, encouraging that along the way, it's not going to happen overnight. Like you said, it's not going to happen if you're helicopter, you know, if you're a helicopter parent till they're 18. Right. And what we found too is that it's because we didn't do that with our first. We hit twelve, and we were like, "Ooh, <laughs> like it, the wheels were falling off real fast." <laughs> and we had to back up and say, "Okay, well, this is not working." But why was it like that? Because we felt like we have to have these all these control mechanisms on our kids. And and what happened is we were feeling the pushback. You're not. You don't feel I'm like I'm capable. You don't trust my. You know me. And and I've heard parents say, "You're right. I don't trust you." I'm like, "Ooh." Ouch. Yeah. Like having somebody say that to me, I I would be hurt. And I, I'm not if they've never now if they've proven to you they can't be trusted. Right. That's not any different than an adult proving they can't be trusted. But often that statement comes out of again that societal those societal pressures and fears we've been put on that this time it's gonna you can't trust them, you can't, you know, right. well no, we might we might actually be able to trust them. And so, you know, we used to say, okay, you can't come to the math table before you, you know, eat, do this, this, and this, and this. Or, you know, I would actually ask my kids, did you have your quiet time today? And I realized, wait a minute, whose ownership is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really kind of tried to, you know, back off and take it from a different approach saying, you know, talking about my own relationship. Wow, I read this verse today in this really... Mm-hmm. Um, this really helped me understand me in this way. Right. I'm not pointing the finger at them. I'm just, I'm just living my life as an example, um, my relationship with Jesus as a real example. And so we, we kind of, I quit asking those questions and immediately I felt the demeanor and the, you know, come off. There was no, there weren't any hidden agendas. It was more, wow, really cares about my who I am. And the other thing I found about that is if I'm always projecting, you know, quiet time in the morning um, and that that's the only way that you're going to meet Jesus, 
what about the rest of the day? And I actually had this conversation with my oldest son, you know, and as a mom, I was feeling guilty because I wasn't having it in the morning. I wasn't getting time in the morning to read the word. It just didn't work for me Mm -hmm. because of the age of our children. I'm not a morning person. Mm -hmm. And my children saw a begrudging mom who was never happy because I had already messed up by the time I got got into the breakfast table. Guilt just it just loomed over me. And then I was like, wow, wait a minute. No, Jesus is with my, he's in my day in everything. And I want my kids to know that too. What they decide to do as far as when they read the word is they gotta come to own that. That's right. Um, and when they do what I, I've seen now, my kids that are now, you know, older because I feel like I've made enough mistakes. We, you know, Mike and I both have said we gotta we gotta change here. Help you know, help each other mm-hmm. kind of work on how can we make this different. And now I I don't hardly see anything to my kids like, did you read your the Bible? Did you whatever? They're actually coming to me and saying, Mom, you're not gonna believe this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, tell me more. Because <laughs> <laughs> they they own it. Um, and sometimes that comes just like the Bible bookstore was going out of business. Sadly, um, you know, in our in our in our community. And it was just, God just said, Hey, why don't you just go to kids and say the, you know, the bookstore's going out of business. Is anybody interested in going? I need a new Bible. Cause I really did. It was falling apart. The pages were falling out. And I know some people would just duct tape it together, but I couldn't do that because I'd, <laughs> I'm so ADD. I'd peel at the, at the duct tape in the middle of the church. So um, off we go. And, and they were like, yeah, sure. I'll go with you. And by the end of the trip, they all like, we, we were in there for hours, mm-hmm. you know, all of them had just, they decided go to the different, you know, this Bible looks interesting, this Bible. And I didn't hover over them. I was, I was looking for a Bible, but I also was trying to actually tame the little toddlers that I had with me. But they came to me and said, mom, I was thinking about this. What do you know about this version? I'm like, what a different Mm. paradigm of parenting other than me saying, you have to read this version or you have to read this version or that version doesn't count. It's God's word. Like I have to trust it's truth. And they picked out, you know, what they, and now they, you know, I, sometimes I said, I don't know about that version. We need to ask that gentleman over there. He's a little bit more versed in that than I am. Um, and then he told us about it and we all learned together. And mm. when everybody came home, they were happy about the purchases that they picked out. It wasn't a, mo- a Bible that mom told me I had to buy. Right. And it's such a different parenting paradigm. It is. And, and what's going to happen is because they own it, they're actually going to read it. You know, it's it's Absolutely. their thing. And I just, that's one thing I have really noticed. And maybe it's because I have mostly boys um, <laughs> tend to be, you know, fiercely right. independent that, you know, mom, I, it's it's this fine line of you know keeping their respect and all of that but letting them be who they are encouraging to, them to own what they're doing um and i tell people now that my boys still care what i think but they don't care more than they should <laughs> you know <laughs> it's a it's a healthy it's a healthy respect but there's a point at which they're like no mom I'm gonna you know this this is the decision I'm making okay you know and so just yeah. that it's it all comes back to that ownership and 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 and, and can you give some uh, I'm thinking of ways to encourage because I think mm-hmm. it's as a mom listening um, I would be, you know, maybe my kids aren't middle school yet, or they are middle school, and I and I really need to, you know, kind of fix some things, um, tweak some things. Mm-hmm. As far as encouraging ownership, um, yes. you know, do you have some 
yeah. some ideas on that. Here's what I learned. Again, these, these are not because we're perfect. It's because it was earned the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, is when you allow, you know, we're talking about ownership here spiritually, but there's also that ownership academically and cognitively right. as well. And I've seen that when I have um, taken off some of that control that I thought I needed to have in order for my children to learn X, Y, Z, my kids actually in, in owning a plan or owning an idea and me going to them and asking them some questions and them sharing back and processing, the outcome is way, way better than I could have ever imagined in my very small window of what I thought was right. So for example, we have, we have a Monday co-op and we don't haven't always been in co-ops because there's been a season where Again, I just felt like I can't be like everybody else. It was, it was, we'd go to co-op and the next day I would be exhausted mm-hmm. and my kids would be kind of, you know, in a yucky mood and we were not starting. Our relationships were suffering, you know, because mm-hmm. they were, they were upset. I was upset. So we found this co-op though, where we fit really, really well. And we're still there um, for whatever season that is that God has for us. But there was a time when my then, um, Eighth grade daughter came to me and said, you know, mom, I'm not sure I want to go to co-op anymore. Now in me, I had a toddler and I really love Monday afternoon or Monday during the day because it's not really, it's kind of morning and afternoon. And I love that four hours of time. It's when I write, it's when I can concentrate on my little friends. It's when I can maybe do something I wouldn't get to do otherwise. And so I really like that time. And so when she said that, like, I literally, my, the first response I wanted to say was, are you kidding me? No, no, there's no choice here. You're going to co-op. Mm-hmm. And I said to my husband, you, you're not going to believe this, but she doesn't want to go back to co-op. Just like that, with that tone of voice. And he's like, well, maybe she's got some really good ideas about what she do. And I'm like, excuse me, wait a minute. You're not here overseeing the day. <laughs> and I cannot be responsible for another child being home right now. I really like the four hours. And he's like, well, I really think we should ask because chances are if she's asking, she's probably thought it out. And I went, hmm, that's pretty wise. Okay, you can go and ask her because I didn't want to enter. See, again, I didn't want to enter in the conversation because I knew in my selfishness of liking that time, my response would probably not really, really be as good right. as it would have been. Right. So Mike said, well, you know, what are your ideas about if you don't go to co-op? So again, he's giving her ownership. He says, what are your ideas? I, I value those opinions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times our teens need to hear that. Mm-hmm. I value what you're thinking. I value the fact that if you're coming to me, you've probably thought it out. Now, did they think it out entirely? Probably not. But again, they're coming to you because they were, they, they know that you're going to give them some food for thought and positive feedback. You're not just going to tell them that's a stupid idea. And I can't even believe you'd want to be with me on Monday afternoons. Um, And it was amazing because what she had thought out is that she would actually, again, giving her ownership, I'm going to take Spanish with my older sister, who was going to be a senior, and I'm going to do American history with her. And what ended up happening, and she had her whole day planned out. I didn't have to do anything. And it was a really good plan, better than anything that I could have ever devised. Mm -hmm. And by the end of that year, what it did is not only did she get some of her high school work done, and she was motivated. See, that's the other thing. I think if you can find their interests, Mm-hmm. find out what their strengths are. They will, you've, you've provided them the fuel and motivation to carry it out, even if it doesn't get carried out perfectly. Mm-hmm. So she walked away from that with not only not needing, 
not, I don't want to say not needing me. She needed me in a different way. I didn't need to dole out the lessons. I needed to be there when she said, you know, I'm not quite getting this. Right. Or I need to think about this a little bit differently. And then I was like, oh, wow, you know what? That's a really good thought. Maybe we should give, let's think about it this way. Or I really don't know, you know, honey, let's go talk to your dad. Mm -hmm. But it was an opportunity for a conversation. And so that's what I would also encourage parents with is have conversations with your kids. Mm -hmm. So often I just hear parents say, oh, well, they're offering biology this year, you know, at the where XYZ somewhere local, we're just going to do that. Now I'm all over, you know, dissection does not happen at my table. That is the one thing over 24 years I haven't changed. Dissection doesn't happen at my table. So I farm that out to somebody that I, who knows and has a passion for it. It's not a passion of mine. Um, and so I would say, yes, figure out what it is that you can get some help with, but also be opening open to what your kids, once you relinquish that ownership to them, let um, be open to what their ideas are and realize that even though it doesn't, you don't think it's going to work from your perspective, it might actually work a whole lot better than you thought. And if they fail, they fail. Like this is a perfect time. Um, We shouldn't be afraid of failure. Now, obviously I'm not talking about, you know, ethical moral failure, although that can happen. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about little decisions that they can make, whether or not to go to co-op, that is not going to make or break their life. (laughs) So we knew, Hey, you know, here, what, what do you think? And actually, it birthed a best friend relationship between those two daughters. Mm-hmm. And now they've got books they're working on together. They're, they want to speak together. They work on those outlines. It all came out of us giving her that ownership. Mm-hmm. So ownership, conversation with your kids. They want to know you care about them. And the way you show that is having conversation about with them about that. And that even, I go that far into asking, hey, I'm going to the store. Does anybody have any, you know, nutritional needs or something that you want me to pick up? Right. Just that respect. You're giving them ownership. It's not, and remember, you can't have the Twinkies. Right, right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's so funny. It sounds like I I do the same thing when I'm going to to the store. I'll be like, okay, you guys, does anybody need anything? Tell me now, you know, and um, the same thing. It's so funny. I I love this. I've done the same thing when it comes to, you know, our kids' education, just including them in some choices. You know, I say, okay, we need to, especially in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. I did some before that too, because, you know, I just wanted to get them used to participating. Yes. But especially yes. in high school, I, I would say, okay, you you need, okay, you can see here that you need a, a, this credit for, say, history. So do you want to study world history? Do you want to do American history first? Because, you know, you're going to do both, but which do you want to do first? And then we would, I would bring um, the resources down to you know, several resources and say, okay, these are your options. Which, you know, which way do you want to learn this? You know, mm-hmm. is it, is it um, DVD? Do you want to do it on the computer? Do you want to do it in a textbook or, um, you know, reading? And that did, that did make all the difference in the world. Um, the other day we, I sat down with our two high schoolers and we, um, the, the last two years they were in a parent partnership program. So um, the consultant there, we worked together, but she kept track of their credits mm-hmm. and their grades and all of that. I would, I would report to them to her and she would make, you know, get it all formal on a transcript. Well, since then we've moved and now we're doing the rest of high school on our own. And so we mm-hmm. needed to transfer those things onto a new transcript that was ours. And I made both of them do it. You guys are going to transfer these. And so they could see what they've done, 
where they were at. And then we talked about where they need to go from here to, to get their diploma. And it was, we had a great time. I took them out for coffee and, you know, bought him a coffee and it was great. We had, we had a great time together. Yes. I love that. See, that's, and what you're saying there is you've invited them in, you've invited into a relationship, you've invited, empowered them by saying you have something to say that matters mm-hmm. and, and you've entered in a conversation. So therefore I'm all ears. Like, let's talk about this. This is not just a mom deal. Um, and, I, and we see that a lot of times when I, when we do evaluations and a kid comes and sits at the table and just kind of slumps over and there's no expression, I almost can always figure in, in, in the midst of a, a four, few short minutes, uh, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I hear from mom, they don't know what they want to do. They have no idea what they're interested in. And usually it's because we as moms haven't given them that opportunity. Right. Um, it's not going to matter. You know, in high school, the other thing that we see what happens is that push, you know, we have all this experiential learning in, in elementary school, middle school, we might still allow it a little bit, but then there's this fear of high school. So we like, we, we pull out all the stops. Here's the textbook you're going to use. Here's where you're going to do this because we're like, oh, we still got to command this to make sure you're going to be ready for college. And then the kid's just feeling like he's been drug along and there's no love of learning. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just... Yeah, so that conversation with your kid is so, again, you're, like you said, you're pulling out all the resources. Look, here's all that's available to us. That's not any different than the elementary years. Here's all that's available to us in the high school years. And we can enter, we can add to that volunteering and internships and job shadowing and service at the church. Like, what is it that you see? You know, I think, Drenda, and I know I know you believe this too because of our conversations, God has created us all for big things, mm-hmm. whether that is being a mom, which is a huge thing, yes, <laughs> or if that's being the manager of an engineering firm or a CFO, where can we are made for big things. And God provides all in us, ingrains all, creates in us all that we will need for that big purpose. Mm-hmm. But if our kids don't get the opportunity to be invited into who are you? I love that about you. Let's have a conversation about that. How can I come alongside of you? They won't discover that. And then it becomes this, I don't even know if I want to get up in the morning or really there's not a big reason for me to get off the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's where you get that push and pull of they don't want to do anything and you get the rebellion and all that. So yeah, it's it's a different, It's it takes education and flips it upside down from everything that we know. Right. Because- you know, when, the way you and I were taught, really only in Mike, actually, he said, Cheryl, I only reach 16 to 20% of the kids in my class mm. um, because that's what the traditional model reaches. And that's not, that's not a put down on, on public or, or classrooms, you know, classroom environments. That's just truth based on how kids take in information. You know, there's lots and lots of kids who have to get their hands on it. They have to experience it. They have to be a part of it Mm -hmm. to be able to see how they can contribute, how they are contributing, how they are impacting the world and the people around them. And when that happens, it's just like you and I, Drinda, when we get up in the morning, it's why do I get out of the bed in the morning? Because I have this amazing group of six, well, six right now who live in my home. They, we have this relationship like I'm, and it's not all roses. I'm not saying I'm perfect or that we don't, you know, get in these little scuffles. I had one last week. I was like, okay, Lord, who's going to school? Because <laughs> my mental capacity can't handle this right now. But, but I know that I'm contributing to something so much greater. I have six lives that are going to impact 
in, in, exponentially. I have yes. no idea how many lives they're going to impact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, that's what I love about like some of the fo- the founding fathers of our, you know, like John Quincy Adams and John Paul Jones, who I didn't even know who that was until I was a homeschool mom. Like they were given so much responsibility in the middle and high school years. John Quincy Adams followed his dad to France as a French diplomat. Hmm. And then I look back and say, we are not giving our kids enough to say, I want to do that. I want to contribute to that. I want to make a difference. This is how I can bring value. And when that happens, the whole world opens up as far as education and learning and what that looks like. Mm, I love that. I love that. And so what would you say to the mom who is maybe either uh, maybe has a middle schooler or high schooler and just feels like things are falling mm-hmm. flat and she yes. maybe didn't have an understanding of this to start with and now she's starting to see that she could do things differently and there's mm-hmm. hope. Yeah. What would you say to her? Where would you tell her to start? The relationship, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you got to go back and say, okay, what is it, Lord? You know, come to me. I can only fix me. I can only work on me, right? Say, where have I, where have I maybe hurt where I didn't mean to hurt? Mm-hmm. Where could, where could I give a little bit in control? Where could I be open to my child? Mm-hmm. Pray for that mm-hmm. and then start with the relationship. Cause me as the parent, I realize I have a responsibility in this relationship and it might just be, you know, if you're out to the grocery store and you know, you're going, you know, past there's a Wawa here. And so it's, you know, dollar coffee month at Wawa, you know, pray for those little opportunities that the Holy Spirit would say to you, you know, just go pick up George some Wawa coffee. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that make a huge, like, wow, you thought of me, right? You, you we're on the way to the grocery store and you thought of me, mm-hmm. you know, I think, what would I want? Mm-hmm. And that's, I go be, ponder that. What, what would I want? And then I would say, um, be courageous <laughs> enough to say, what is it that you want to learn? And you might get, I don't want to learn about anything. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. It might be that you can't ask the question, but you can be an observer and say, wow, they're outside, you know, a lot. They're always playing right. basketball or maybe they're digging up the garden or, hey, I know. And then you notice, I saw you're outside working in the flower bed a lot. I was thinking maybe we could go get some seeds at the hardware store with it. Mm-hmm. You want to go with me the next time I'm in the, you know, Car. Again, it's a conversation. You're working on a relationship, and they're like, "Yeah, really, I would love to go get some seeds." And what that says is, you've noticed what I'm doing. You actually care about me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then, that's that's where it starts. It's that it's that tying tying these heartstrings with them, mm-hmm. and if those have been broken, they can be retied. You know, it, but it you have to be like you said. You need to be courageous, and you need to be patient, and you need to be mm-hmm. a student of your child. Yes. And then as you get into the high school years, you're like, well, how can I do that? I'm about ready to hit the high school years. And there is no way like that ain't happening because we got biology and algebra and mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff that we have to do. Really, if you do English, math, science, and social studies, that's four, four, that's only four pieces. Mm-hmm. There are so many other elective things. We call them electives, but other, there's much more time in the day. What is it that your child's already involved in that you can come alongside and say, you know, I've been thinking about, again, maybe those seeds that they're out there planting or something saying, I was thinking about that. You know, I could probably turn that into an elective credit. And they'll look at you like, you can? Yeah, because in our state, we have that freedom. And I don't, you know, you have to look at what your state law says you can do. But in our state, I have that freedom. I, you know, the rule in our house is if you read the book, I'll figure out how to give you credit. That's right. And, and my kids I love like, that. 
<laughs> I love that. We had that conversation not that long ago because I've got a couple mm-hmm. kids working. One's working 15 hours a week. The other's working 30 hours a week. And I'm exactly. thinking, this got to count towards something. And and yeah. you uh, emailed me back and just gave me some really great just kind of titles and names that mm-hmm. to help us name what it is that they were doing because they really are learning so multiple skills right. at these jobs. And that absolutely should count as a, as a high school credit. So and a lot of times if they see it that way, you know, if they, so let's say they're going to Chick-fil-A and they're going to work and they are actually a shift manager, you know, hear them hearing you voice back to them. You know, you, the reason you got shift manager is because your boss saw how you lead people. And they're like, Mm -hmm. I did. I just thought I got a promotion. Like sometimes they can't connect the dots. Right. Because of some, you know, the other stuff that's going on. Um, and so they need us to empower them with that and say, you know, yeah. And it reminded me of this book I read one time about leadership. And then just have this little conversation, you know. Yeah, I think maybe the author's name was uh, Covey. Mm-hmm. Really? You read a book about leadership? Because, you know, sometimes they're like pretty shocked that we as moms have a pretty <laughs> So true. <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, well, do you have that book? Again, it's a conversation and being open to where God might lead it. And it's it can turn into an elective credit really quickly. I and really, that. when it all pans out, is it really about an elective credit or is it about life? Mm-hmm. Life learning and life skills because our kids are going to leave our home. And Lord willing, they're going to have a family to raise. Or maybe they're going to have you know, a corporation that they're going to be managing, um, or maybe they're going to be an artist or creative, but that's, there are so many different means to success. And in our society, we have limited it so much to college, you know, a bachelor's degree, an AA, and then the kids who love welding are like, I don't know how I fit into that equation. Mm -hmm. And and they start feeling that at middle school, they start saying, well, I, I, I'm going to give that idea up because that's not going to make any money. Well, you know what? I pay my, the guy who comes to fix my washer pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. I was reading an article the other day about um, how college has been so pushed um, that they're really running extremely low on tradespeople. And Mm -hmm. and this is why, um, you know, it's so important for us to pursue the things that our kids are really hardwired to do because um, because they're going to thrive in that. You know, as I always said, it, I don't care if my kids are washing windows. If they're happy and they love what they're doing, um, you know, and sometimes we have to do things we don't love. I, I was I was hearing this the other day too. Somebody, some guy said, you know, I wasn't passionate about septic pumping um, yeah. until you know he ended up in the business somehow and uh, did good marketing, was had good service, and has just this multi million dollar company. He said, now I'm passionate about it. You know, <laughs> so it's just it's one of those things that yes, we want to find out. We definitely want to hone in on their skills, but but really, it's wide open as to how those skills are going to be applied, and um, and we need to keep our minds open, and this will help our kids keep keep their minds open as well. And um, and so we re- I we just were talking about you and I just now about the transcript thing, and I want to kind of. <laughs> land on that because that is what we're going to be talking about next week on the podcast. We're going to be talking about how to craft a transcript for mm-hmm. our high schoolers. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited that you're going to be back um, to do that. Yes. And so can you tell the moms how to connect with you if they want to do that? Yes. Thank you. Um, they can connect with me on my website, which is Um I have 
from there, they can, you know, connect with me by email. Um, I try to do my best to, to answer emails. I do set up consultations as well because I'm just, you know, I still have six living at home and adult children who are out that I want to be available for. Right. So I want to be a good steward of the, of the, of mom's time because I know that their time is valuable. So I do have the consultation option. My website's probably the best way. I do have a Facebook page, Celebrate Simple. Um, and then I have another closed group that branches off from that, um, Celebrate High School, which is for middle and high school moms. It's a closed group. And it's a branch off from my book, Celebrate High School. I love that. I love that. I've been in that group. And it's just, it's such an encouragement. Um, I think especially like we were saying earlier, the middle and high school years can feel so daunting. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to have a group where um, you can talk about so many of the things that we just talked about today. So, um, so Cheryl, it's been an honor to have you here on the podcast. I love your heart. I appreciate all that you do to encourage moms. And I am looking forward to talking with you next week. All righty, we'll do it. I'm excited. Well, let's go ahead and we're going to pray over these moms that are listening right now because I just, Lord, we just thank you so much Mm -hmm. for today. Thank you for this conversation. I pray, God, that this would be an incredible inspiration and encouragement to both moms who have middle and high schoolers and those who are Mm -hmm. approaching those years, Lord. Mm And um, we just thank you that you make all things new, Father. We thank you for giving us the freedom to homeschool, Lord. We just that is an opportunity and often it can start to feel like a burden, Lord, but I just, I thank you that your intention was for it to be a blessing. And I just pray that you would help us to walk in that, Lord, to know mm-hmm. that our children are a blessing, that these teenagers are a blessing, God. And we pray that um, all, every mom listening would um, invest in the relationships mm-hmm. with their children, Lord, and that you would be glorified and honored in all that we do and say, Lord, in our parenting, in our homeschooling, mm-hmm. Lord, and, um, and in our families, Lord, and in our marriages. Mm-hmm. We just thank you so much for who you are, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.